Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You're listening to Comedy Central. <laughs> I feel you. That's how it was the first time I hit moon rocks. I was done for the day. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Roy's dude to come through with the sun rocks. I'm, that dude, that dude had me hella hype. Fucking save all this for your drug podcast. Now hire <laughs> Just come in in the middle of drug talk. An entire Alabama town is scrambling to figure out their next steps in law enforcement. After the entire police department was disbanded after it was discovered that one of the officers had been sending a racist joke to other officers in the department. Wow. Vincent, Alabama. Where? Roll goddamn time. I know where it is. Vincent, Alabama, about 45 minutes outside of Birmingham, a little small town, 2,000 residents, 85% white city. Hmm. Sounds right. City managers decided uh, the Vincent mayor, James Latimer, confirmed to NPR that the city council voted to dissolve the entire. Fuck who sent the joke. All of y'all turn in your bags. I like it. It's like when your mama whoop everybody. (laughs) Now, I'm not going to repeat the joke. But I will say as far as racist jokes go, Mm -hmm. top tier. Really? Top wow. tier. Top Can I repeat tier. the joke? Top tier. No. Because <laughs> you're going to enjoy it, and I don't. <laughs> you, you, just, you just said you enjoyed it. You just said it's top two best fucking racist jokes. <laughs> you cannot. Con- we do not condone racism on this podcast while yeah. we're recording. Off air? Totally different. Laughing at some of that shit sometimes. My name is Roy. This is my job fair. Wednesday is the best day of the week. It's halftime. It's an opportunity for you to take a break and breathe and reflect on all the bullshit that you haven't accomplished yet this week. And you're probably not going to get around to it. But that's why they have Thursday. Thursday is the day where you lie to yourself and say you still have time. But the truth is, if you hadn't started it by Tuesday, you're probably not going to get it done, you lazy procrastinating piece of shit. <laughs> How do you do, Jacqueline? You are the white blood cells that keeps the show pure. Oh, um, well, thank you. Gonna talk to a couple of people today. Got a black woman in tech. Gonna speak with a wonderful, wonderful hip hop producer, the homie Rosteroot. That's gonna be a good conversation as well. But since we got two smokers on the program, I wanted to. Uh, bring this story to you all's attention and I want Uh you to decide whether or not this is fair or foul. Rod, a Japanese company has decided to give non-smoking employees six extra off days every year. Hmm. Fair or foul? I think it's foul. (laughs) I think it's very foul. I don't don't support 
smokers discrimination. It's not. It's giving the non-smokers an opportunity to also take that 15-minute break. It's just combined. Jacqueline brings up an excellent point, Rod, and also why I do believe, right, that they should get these days. Because as a smoker in the office, those motherfuckers get on your nerves, dog. So, like, if they get six extra days to fuck off, that works for me. Go and complain about us at home. My thing is, why Why is it only smokers? Like, what about cocaine and shrooms and weed and <laughs> all the other... What about the people who ain't getting no sex? And what about the losers right. out what there about who that? don't nobody want? What about they that? go, they go get them some days off to go find them. What mate? about the incels? <laughs> a right? masturbation break would be. I don't know how you, I don't know how you navigate the HR of it, but I think that would be nice for some. It would keep, it would cut down sexual harassment if you could go. There's actually a company that does that. Really? There is a company. Can't remember Rhonda, directly get off the on top your of my job head. right now, like, Rhonda. Find <laughs> this jack off break company. Mm-hmm. Like somebody's giving out masturbation break. They got a they got a masturbation really? company in, in the office. Here we go down South Georgia girl. Doing her job. All right. Oh yeah. The boss of an adult entertainment company offers employees half okay. an hour daily masturbation breaks after finding they become agitated during lockdown. Erica Lust, who own, who owns Erica Lust Films, has even set up a private masturbation station in the office. She is hoping to normalize masturbation by allowing her staff a 30-minute break every day for self-love. That's dope. It take me like three minutes to crank one out. That's 27 (laughs) minutes to do nothing, brother. Right. You can still get a smoke break in if you you can jack one out, smoke, you know, maybe Mm. watch a 15-minute sitcom or something. I'm okay with what these Japanese folks are doing, man. If you get to I kick like it, it and do nothing, then goddamn it, I get to kick it and do nothing. Or just give me a 15-minute fuck it break. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me that people don't take 15-minute fuck it breaks anyway? You ain't never yes. ever had a job where a non-smoker just takes a break because, nah, I can't deal with this shit? Of course. We all take the long way back to our desk we yeah. all sit in the car for an extra five Mississippi. Like, there's a bunch of different ways to cut corners at go work. Sit but in the bathroom. There you go. Yeah. You take a shit, and then after you shit, you just sit there. Designated stall. Why are you all using the bathroom at because work? Because we drink coffee, Jacqueline. <laughs> <laughs> Some companies have changed the toilet to sit at an angle so it hurts to be on the toilet longer than five minutes because they know true. people like to take breaks. Really? Real quick before we get into the CMO, Rod is telling the truth. Thank you, Down South Georgia girl. <laughs> How evil are corporations? A British startup called Standard Toilet has designed a toilet with a slanted seat to make it less comfortable for workers to oh. hang out in the bathroom. The yeah. toilet has a 13 degree slope, which makes it painful to sit on for more than five minutes. What if you got to take one of them big donkey Texas chair shits? <laughs> like, that's a 15 minute shit. You got to take a lap around the bathroom first and come back. <laughs> you better deal with your legs going numb and just push through it, bruh. You know what I'm saying? So nasty. So nasty. You know what I mean? It's time for Cody's Most Outstanding Employee of the Week. The CEO of the company Hypersocial is facing criticism after he posted a video crying after laying off some of his employees. So here's what happened. You know, these CEOs, they get on these calls and they just tell everybody, y'all fired. I'm sorry. We got layoffs. We got to have cutbacks. And then the perception is that CEOs are these methodical robots who do not care about the employees and they do not care about the humanity of what they're doing and turning people's lives upside down. So my man here thought it'd be a good idea after doing the layoffs to, you know. Post a selfie video. He wrote on LinkedIn, quote, well, let me do it like he because he was crying. Days like the day I wish I was a business owner that was not only money driven and didn't care about who he hurt along the way, but I'm not. So I just want people to see that not every CEO out there is cold hearted and doesn't care when they have to lay people off. I'm sure there's others like me. Of course, the video immediately went viral with many people celebrating his emotional vulnerability and other Please. people going, shut the fuck up. Nobody yes. cares. You still fired all them motherfuckers. Fuck you. Absolutely. Option Shout B. out to him for gaming the system like that. That's exactly <laughs> what he did. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay to cry and tell motherfuckers you read glad to land them off. I'm all right with this post because otherwise, how does the perception change of business owners? 
everybody ain't a rich fucking Fortune 100 tycoon who just lays motherfuckers off all heartless. This man is letting y'all know, yo, some of us hurt. We, I hate I got to do this, but goddamn, I got to keep my business running. The fuck you want me to do? Well, did he also tell them that to their faces or did he just do it for the social hype? He just did it for the social media shit. He did that just to save face, just to make himself Correct. look good. He don't give a fuck. Is the only way to give a fuck is to not have layoffs? No. No, but, but, that's a uh, don't big act, don't, don't act so like you, you that sad about it. You, like, you ain't got to right. lie, man. Like, it's business. Mm. You had to fire some people. Hey, Rod, did you see this part in the article here where it says both of the laid off employees, he said, were over the top nice about it. Both two. of the laid off Nigga employees. Nigga laid off two people. Two and, people? And he, like he cried like he had to fucking Come on, down, y'all. A thousand you, niggas. You, come on, B. Get the fuck nah, out of here, though. Fuck that nigga, man. <laughs> I'm with Rod two billion. <laughs> and, then, and then, hold up, son. Hold up. Wait, 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 wait. Um, he told Motherboard over the phone on Wednesday that the company had laid off two employees on Tuesday evening. He performed one of the layoffs and his girlfriend slash business partner laid off the other employee while he watched. And your girlfriend didn't get fired. That nigga about to move to the Cayman Islands with the, with the mm. money he's saving by letting those two, those whole two people go. <laughs> Me and my girlfriend are going to run this company remote Listen. from Bali. Um <laughs> So sorry that you two can't make it. I with try it. so hard to not have to lay two people off. I'm sorry. Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> I totally believe that when you tell one person something, you might be seeking an opinion. But when you tell multiple people the same thing over and over again, it's just a ploy. It's just I'm sorry and lazy and a waste mm-hmm. of time. Don't keep telling me the same crap over and over again. Do the job and move on, or don't be the CEO. For crying (laughs) No Mm -mm. And making sure that the world knows That those two people you laid off Stressed you out Although honestly if you had to lay off two people You probably ain't built to run no real Fortune 500 company You're gonna have to be firing motherfuckers left and right So you gotta get you a backbone motherfucker You gotta tool up You gotta take taekwondo You need some confidence Stop letting your girlfriend do your hard work dog how about that? It is with a heavy heart and much soul searching that I tell you people, I unfortunately had to let Jesse and Marcus go to save the company. <laughs> I'm going to go check myself into a mental institution for oh a couple. Get the gosh. fuck out of here. <laughs> Two niggas? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Two people like this no damn layoffs. The first CMO. I have to just, I got to give up on this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Holy shit. Where was two niggas layoffs? Holy he fired shit. two motherfuckers. Yo, layoffs, Yo, two man. people. And again, like, Yo, he didn't even fire both of them. It's too much. For laying off two people and crying about it instead of being a grown-ass man and chopping Please. their head off like a motherfucking predator. Mm. CEO of Hypersocial, you are not Cody's yes. most outstanding employee of the week. Wonderful. That's the first not we've ever had. I like that. I can't believe y'all reversed that on me. That whole thing was white tears on the biggest level possible. This dude fired two people. Nigga cried like he shut down three out of five factories. <laughs> Bruh. Everybody <laughs> shut the fuck up. Worst the first time. JG, what do we know about dry cleaning? As an industry. It's expensive. It's hot. It's always hot in there. You ever go in? Definitely hot. Like, it'd always be some door open in the back. Yeah. Just just outside. And, like, one of the biggest fans you will ever see in your life. Like, the fans are always huge. (laughs) One of them big gym fans, like, at a shitty high school gym from the 90s. It's one of them fans, but on a tripod. Got all the fabric on the back because of all the stuff flying in the air. (laughs) But you ain't know what's flying in the air. Like, it's just, yeah. When winter's over, I take my comforter and because I want to get it cleaned or whatever, and they always make it larger and I can't stuff it in the trunk because they fluffed it out or something. They did their job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they did their job <laughs> they too good. Job. You damn dry cleaners doing your job. <laughs> you can't transport your I can't shit. Take this shit home. I hate that you're so good at this. Every time I've gone in a dry cleaners, everybody just seems sticky. It just, it's never seemed like a job. It just like, just a little bit of sweat, like not a full sweat 
pit under their arm, but just sticky. They just a little bit of sweat bubbles on their neck and shit. I'm like, this this seem like it ain't air conditioned. Ain't no TV in there either. That's the other thing about the dry cleaning. Where the fuck is the TV? Mm. George Jefferson well, just, didn't look sticky. What are you talking about? He was the owner. He didn't go in there washing nothing. The Jeffersons was on like 40 seasons. Rhonda, how many seasons of the Jeffersons was there? How many episodes took place at that dry cleaners? Mm. Ooh, like when they did a flashback one time, they showed his first dollar. I'm a huge George Jefferson fan, so. Um, <laughs> how did you become a Jefferson's historian? Of all the people. Like I just... really, really am. Like, I can tell you everything about every show. <laughs> It's real bad. JG, who do we have on the line? We have Amanda who's joining us. Amanda is based in Chicago and works as a senior creative within the integrated advertising space. She strives Mm -hmm. to create inclusive, authentic, and human-centered work. When she's not working, she enjoys taking part in pro bono work volunteering and mentoring others, Amanda will be sharing one of her first job experiences working at her mother and aunt's dry cleaning business and how it shaped Mm. her personally and professionally. Hello, Amanda. Hello. How are you all? So, Amanda, did your mama and auntie work for George Jefferson? They did not. <laughs> I know no. that's be Jacqueline's first question. Thank you, Down South Georgia girl. 253 episodes over 11 seasons. Jeez, that's a hit show right there, boy. Uh-huh. Amanda, when you start working at this dry cleaner, number one, was it hot? Was it sticky? Like, did you care to do the work? Were you forced into it? Which was the case with you? Oh, wow. So, no, I was more like in high school, in college, and um, it was very hot in the summer. So, in the summer, yes, they didn't have, they had air conditioning like way in the front when the customers come in, but where all the cleaning happens, extremely hot, and there was a back door propped open, and um, yeah, so there was fans, and I was always very clammy and sticky and sweaty. Um, Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it's like a boiler room. Um, Because that hot-ass press is going, right? Yes, hot machines, presses, steamers, washing machines. I did it just to help out. I didn't want to be there. Oh, no. No. But, you know, it's hard work. And, you know, you have to help out the family. You know, to help them out made me feel better because they would leave really early, like at five in the morning mm-hmm. because it was an hour drive. And they'd have to go and start up the, the machines and the boiler. And it's like an hour ahead. So okay. they were always up super early. I didn't have to go that early. And they were there six days a week. So it was basically one day off. That's hard work because there's a lot of lifting and, and, and moving big bales of clothes. Like, I don't think people think about how much clothes you really have to like process and move that the machines don't do. Like you still got to like five and 10 pound bags of clothes and doing that six, seven hours a day, man. You're, you easily what lift over two, 300 pounds of clothes in a day. Really, if you cumulatively think about it, what was yeah. the worst part about it for you? The worst part is um, the safety pins. So the I don't even know if they still do it today. So like mm. you tag the clothes. Oh, yeah. so like if you drop it off, you'd have your little number. So we'd like put the safety pin to match the tag to the order and keep all the pieces so they don't get lost. Mm. Um, so yeah, there'd be like a container of all these open safety pins. So you have to grab them, you're just constantly getting stuck and closing, opening or missing. Um, I think that was probably the most painful part. And then sometimes, you know, some drop off, some of the stuff is, uh, you know, is dirtier than other people's Ew. clothes. So, mm. yeah, exactly. Here <laughs> we go. Expand. We need more so details. Like, Don't glaze over that, Amanda. Glaze. Um, Go into detail. Dirty. Hat. Dirty. Yeah, I don't know. Drawers? Just like stains. Um, there might have been a pair of drawers. No. Um, People dry clean their drawers? Should you dry clean drawers? No. I don't think Thank so. Thank you. Wait a minute. You can dry clean underwear? Yeah. Occasionally. Who's looking at, you know what? Never mind. I'm sorry. Amanda, did they pay you? Because this is your mama and your auntie. No. Of course they didn't. Of course. No, no. Sometimes they would give money, but no, no. 
Yeah. It's all voluntary. Kind I owe them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the homie Paris Sachet, who was on doing one of our Women's Week's episodes, said that she used to wear the clothes that oh, customers yeah. would drop off and she thought that shit was nice and glistening. Facts. She'd take them clothing for a spin at the local club for a night before bringing it back before the pickup date. Did you ever do anything of that nature? Or had you seen that? Mm. It's time to snitch on your mama and if snitch on your mama. <laughs> no. They, snitch no. On mama. You know you got a cousin that used to wear people's dresses. Tell the truth. No, no, no. Tell no. the truth. No, no. They, they would never. But in the um, Antioch Dry Cleaners, it had a basement. Uh-huh. And so it was an older building and they had bought it from someone else, the, the business. So there was actually a rack of a bunch of clothes that haven't been picked up over the years. Mm. So like, you know, people forget or maybe they moved. So after a certain number of time, it it gets moved there. So I personally would go in and kind of like look through the racks and, you know, I'm just like, I kind of like this. I kind of like that. So if it was like a lot of years, I would, um, you know, try it on. That's vintage hunting right there. I respect that. that. That's good stuff. That's like going to the thrift store without going to the thrift store. I like yeah. that. It's thrifting. I like that. It's That's extreme thrifting. thrifting. Yeah. I respect that. This is two women running this business. Yes. Your mom, your aunt. Talk about that because women mm. doing these things a little while back, that wasn't necessarily easy, but they were putting things out there and getting it done. Let's talk about that, please. Yeah. So um, both immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. So they're originally from Seoul, Korea, you know, didn't have a college degree, always wanted to do the American dream. So nice. they actually had a couple of businesses before, like a, a little snack shop, but, you know, food business is kind of hard. And there was a community of a lot of Koreans that had dry cleaners. So, you know, they kind of had a network and nice. lean on each other for information. So, yeah, it was like really impressive because I totally don't have that entrepreneurial streak. And, you know, I knew I would never like take over the business or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't want that environment. I prefer being in front of my laptop. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So it was very hard work, but they, they had a lot of pride and they were excited because it was their own and they were their own bosses. But it was a lot of hard work and there would be times where it'd be slow or busier. Um, it's always slower in the summer for some reason. Maybe kids mm. are off of school. There's not, just not as customers. But then fall, it really heats up and then it'll be like wedding season or, or proms. There's a lot of dresses or alter because they did alterations too. Mm. So that nice. actually helped bring in a lot of income because my aunt was a seamstress. So mm. uh, dry cleaning and alterations together helped. But um yeah, I think it was hard at the beginning, just getting into that community in the neighborhood. But uh, with the good customer service, my mom did a really good job of like getting to know her customers, mm-hmm. you know, by name. They're like family when they come in, you know, they're, the regular, she would know their name mm-hmm. and just go and get their stuff. Right. So it was a lot of that. I think one on one that was good for for them to have regular customers. And then, you know, as their kids grow up and. If they're still in the neighborhood, then they come in with their business. So it's hard work because it was like 12 hour days, mm-hmm. 14 Ooh. hour days. But yeah, it was pretty good. I would have wore everybody's clothes. I'm telling you right now, if I ever work 12 hours in the heat next to a steamer, I'm leaving with a tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably one there for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let me slip down in that basement, see what y'all got. Got something say, in a 46 long? <laughs> you just say the word. But they have a 40, a 48 extra long. Y'all got me. I'm good. I just. Well, that's warm and that's beautiful, Amanda, because like standing on the shoulders of those women and seeing them work hard, I always felt like there's something about working in heat, like yes, literal sir. physical heat that builds a degree of tenacity in your work ethic that remains with you no matter what industry you're in. And I'm sure that a lot of the woman that you are today is because of the women who were there and forced you to work for graham crackers. You are a <laughs> testament. Not graham crackers. those women. Yeah, I think, you know, celery, you know, okay, maybe you got paid in white grapes. Maybe, you know, it was a good week. It's prom season. You know what? Going down to cook Cracker Isle, pick out some Ritz, maybe even Keebler Clubs. Get to the good shit. 
Uh, Amanda, thank you so yeah, much for coming on the job you. fair. We appreciate you. You're thank welcome. you for sharing this. We don't always get it. See, this is a nice warm it one. Is. That's true. We don't always get a nice warm oh. Like Usually worst of first is chaos. But this woman just came up. Yeah, my mom and my aunt taught me hard work and perseverance. What else? That's it. It was that's hot. That's what it, it was yeah. hot. And, but that's the beauty of family. And if you're blessed enough to be able to have your kids at your job, mm. I, I think you should be able to take them there and get a little bit of free labor. It ain't illegal. I ain't seen nobody. At least I ain't seen nobody go to jail for it. No, not anymore. <laughs> okay. They don't, do anymore. They don't send you to yeah. jail. No. Yeah. So that's what it's all about. Show up at your house. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Yes. Thank you thank for you. having me. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Job fair. Back in it, as we always do about this time. Um, it's time to take this show off the rails and visit our black people, white peopleologists. And it's his job to give you topics to bring up with co-workers you can't stand, co-workers of the opposite race. Maybe it's a co-worker sitting next to you on one of them downward angled, uncomfortable toilets in here. Oh. Trying to have a little chit-chat. Do women do that? Do you talk to the stranger in the next stall over? Oh, yes, if there's no tissue. I put my hand under there. I'm like, hey, I need some tissue. Oh, oh whoa. No. Whoa, Hell whoa. No. I ain't put my hand under there. We talking about having a chair. Right, just I, talking. I just won't wipe my ass. You oh. tried it. us about taking a shit at work. You going to reach under the, the thing, JG? Yeah, I'll put my hand under there if I need tissue. And if she mm-hmm. has on cute mm-hmm. shoes, I'm going to say, oh, cute shoes. Yeah. While your ass is out, y'all just be talking. <laughs> I'm not standing there in the bathroom forever and I'm not taking a poop. It's just I can see your shoes if it's low Men enough. Just it's different. Men are different. Like, hey, my mm-hmm. nigga, your dick is out. Stop talking. Like, the moment, like, men literally will talk right up until the urinal, stop talking, so and then true. as they leave the urinal, resume their thought and resume the conversation, right. Like, it never stopped. That's so true. Like, it's a dude a can have on nice exactly. shoes. I can't A dude can have it. on fire shoes at the urinal, and I will. Ne- he'll never know. It ain't coming out of my mouth. I don't see him. I'm not telling no other dude that his shoes are fly at the urinal. You ever looked under the stall in the women's room, Jacqueline, and, and saw two sets of shoes? I don't know why I'm I do go to nightclubs for my job, Rod. <laughs> all I have to do is pee, wash my hands, and get out. That's all I do in bathrooms. Mm. I, mm. Uncle Clifford and, and, is, and Uncle Murder in there. That's all I'm saying. He is the uncredited inventor of the stripper pole. The patent was stolen from him, so he doesn't get the credit that he's due. Side Dude of the Year, Essence Magazine, 2009, 2010, 
2017. Triple crown, baby. His mama named him Narado. We call him Rod for short. Rod, welcome back as always, brother. What's happening? Let's get into it, man. What's going on out there? What do folks need to be... Give us some small talk we can make with these co-workers at the job this week. For your black co-workers, uh, right now, there's beef brewing in the tattoo and rap world. Uh, Drake's father, the, the famous Dennis Graham, uh, got a tattoo done of Drake back in 2017 on his arm and didn't too much look like Drake. And uh, he recently revealed it on Instagram. <laughs> And Drake commented that he didn't he didn't appreciate it and he thought it was fucked up. And his dad agreed <laughs> and also said that uh, he's had it touched up 16 times trying to get it right over the course of the last five years. And if you don't know anything about the tattoo world, one of the cardinal rules in the tattoo world is you do not work on another artist's work. And the fact that this nigga had it touched up 16 times by like nine different people is not sitting well with the original tattoo artist. And there's some beef brewing between all three of them right now. <laughs> what are you going to do, though? Why is that such a sin? Uh, you know, if you did a shitty mm-hmm. job and I need somebody to fix this eyebrow. Rhonda, find Drake Daddy's tattoo for us real quick. <laughs> like, how do you... I'm fixing your fuck up. What I'm supposed to come back to you? That's like if a mechanic fix your car. I don't appreciate you taking your car to another transmission place. Bitch, you fucked up the transmission. Think about it like this, homie. Like, if you if you see the Mona Lisa, but you don't like her nose, and you decide to go in the museum and pay over the Mona Lisa, you will get, you know, people will say you fucked up the Mona Lisa. Cats who do tattoos kind of look at it the same way. Like, if they put something on you and then you let somebody else work on that shit, it's like letting somebody else work on their drawing or work on their art. Okay, then let's let's so then let's take it to something we talked about during art week. Let's take it back to what we were talking about during art week um, Mm. with your boy about the murals and how a Mm. mural is essentially a tattoo for a city or for a building, right? Right, 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 right. Kobe died, Nipsey Hussle died. Some of the murals did not look good. Am I supposed nope. to just let a bullshit Kobe Bryant mural that don't look like Kobe just stay there and let people laugh at me while I walk around with this non-Drake looking motherfucker on my body? I'm with you on that, Roy. You're 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 a big time baseball fan, and I, I agree with that. He fucked that tattoo. It did not look like Drake at it all. Looks nothing <laughs> like oh, that's bad. Oh, that's it's real bad. bad. That's bad. He's got Drake down to about the eyebrows. Once you get below the eyebrows, mm. it's like, all right, like a Drake impersonator. Oh, wow. It was it like if Drake was a vampire. But is Drake upset with his dad for altering it, or is Drake upset for his dad getting the tattoo in the first place? I thought Well, Drake's not really upset. But he I'm he just joked around about how you know he did he didn't um, like the he's tattoo. Fun of it, okay. I think the quote was, you know, I can't. We supposed to be family. I can't believe. Ooh, that's this. funny. Okay, so then why mm. his, how, the fucking audacity of the original artist to get offended that I wanted to correct your work instead of just telling everybody what the fuck you did to my arm, you fucking untalented motherfucker. Like, how do you? Especially when you live out of town. I can't keep flying back and forth across the country Dog, to get you to you work on you fucked up tattoo. my arm and I can't change it, but then I also can't tell the world that you did a bad job? What the fuck am I mm. supposed to do with this? Then what about the people who get... So, I don't know. I don't... Look, much respect to anybody with tattoos. I understand as an artist, you don't want nobody touching and changing and tweaking your shit. I get it. Mm. But if it's a bad job, what the fuck is... It? I'm just supposed to live with that because you got a code? I'm the one walking around with this shit on my arm. Nigga, if you give a bad tattoo, you should have to give yourself the same tattoo. How about that? <laughs> there's there's got to be some sort of... There's no accountability for the bad tattoo artist in this scenario. This is the truth. Two things. One, what if the artist doesn't think it was a bad tattoo? Because obviously he didn't. It doesn't matter, it doesn't what, they matter think. what they think. 
yeah, like it's, it's like all about the, the customer, customer is yeah, always buddy. right. Yeah. In this is, situation this is like the like same whatever. shit with chefs when you go to some fucking one of them fucking white tablecloth ass fucking functions and there's no the salt nice and step. pepper shaker on the table and then you the chef no. has seasoned it exactly how he wants. The shit's nasty, nigga. Mm. Alright, you need some more salt on this shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe mm. in that kind of shit. There's a lot of unwritten rules that gotta go. Like, you know, like I was saying, like you, you're a baseball fan and there's, there's a lot of unwritten rules in baseball that don't make a lot of sense and are very antiquated and I, su- I support this this tattoo shit like that shit about you know you, you're not supposed to let another person work on somebody else's work it's just like look bro mm. this is my fucking stomach <laughs> I asked for this I don't like the way it looks I'm gonna go to somebody else I really don't give a fuck about what you gonna do ban me from getting tattoos yeah, or some shit like, like get the fuck out of here like these tattoo artists who misspell shit that's my favorite brand of tattoos no regrets motherfucker that's yeah, awful. you want no regrets and it gets no regrets or whatever. No regrets. I can't change that. It's terrible. I can't change that. I can't come back. I got to come back to you only. I mean, what did your tattoo say? There's no regrets. You can't go back. You know what I'm saying? That's the whole point. You can't go back. You got to live with it. But it don't say no regrets. It say no So you can't regrets. change that. <laughs> I bet you're going to think about it the next time, ain't you? You're going to think about it the next time. You're going to look at your chest and be like, I shouldn't have done this this way. I don't have any tattoos, so I'm wondering. They don't sketch it out first, like on a piece of paper, and say, this is what I'm about to tat on you or put on you? Yes, they do. But but the thing is, just they as you know, they could sketch it out, and if it's artistically drawn and it looks right, you think it looks right. And sometimes... Uh, people do go in to get tattoos and they're inebriated. You're not supposed to be. They're not supposed to tattoo on you when you're when you're drunk most times, but like, you know, you're supposed to be sober. Now the dude who did this tattoo said that uh Drake's dad was in pain after four mm. hours of the session, so he rushed to finish it. And I and I think that makes you sound like an artist yeah. on your end, you know? Like you should rather just be like, I'll Correct. just stop and you come back rather than me rush it, it's that person's fault. That's a bad PR response. There's nothing worse than than somebody who does some type of art that thinks of themselves like Mm -hmm. an artist because those are the people that are always assholes and doing stupid shit. Like the shit you were saying about the chefs and all that. Like, yeah, like, bro, I want some salt. Mm -hmm. I really don't give a fuck about what you think it's supposed (laughs) to. I'm the one eating it. I'm putting salt on this shit. The flavors mm-hmm. must contrast perfectly with the Hollandaise and the Bernays and the Merlot shallots. It's like those people who like, you don't put steak sauce on. If the steak is good enough, it don't need steak sauce. Like it ain't called fucking applesauce, nigga. It's called steak sauce. It goes on steak. <laughs> steak sauce, dog. And Tell if them, I want some fucking steak sauce, I'm eating steak sauce. No. That's the end of it. Good barbecue doesn't need sauce. Uh, uh, if you got great vegetables, you don't need salad dressing. When does the shit end? <gasps> you give me a bad tattoo, nigga, I'm going to somebody else. Hands down. <laughs> Why not plastic surgery? Right. Huh? Same nigga mm. fucked up your ass implant. You don't go back to them. That's art. <laughs> no. Plastic surgery and mm. shit. That's body art. That is body oh, art. Look. I do agree with that. Oh, I'm sorry. One of your one of your breast implants went round the corner and is rubbing up against your rib cage now. <laughs> How dare you go to another plastic surgeon to get your titty repaired? I I'm offended and this appalled. This is original. Just they a was titty. they was mad about the pain, so I rushed a titty. <laughs> I rushed the titty. I rushed the procedure, and then that titty went around the corner. And close it all the way up. It's Just. not my fault. Oh, don't fly don't with that titty. It's a bad don't idea. Don't fly. Get the fuck out of here, though. <laughs> don't touch my work. <laughs> Let's flip it up for him, Rock. Uh, in in the in the news for your white co-workers uh, we've got another instance of people attempting to arrest animals and put them through the criminal justice system and whatnot. no boy. Uh, San Diego how SeaWorld two orcas okay. aka killer whales got into a fight in one of the tanks one of them hurt the other one kind of bad okay. And now PETA is suing and calling for an investigation by the Department of Agriculture of the United States of America. And I don't understand 
what getting the law involved is supposed to do. Whales got into a fight. What the <laughs> fuck does that have to do with who, who's supposed to stop that? Is Peter going after the whales? Is this like the monkeys throwing the dogs off the roof and the monkey got taken right. into custody? Like it's crazy. Or is Peter arguing that SeaWorld put two beef in, you put a crip in the blood in the same cell and that's inhumane. The crip Thank in the you. blood orca should have had separate tanks. Is that what they're arguing? What Peter's argument is, is that this is a symptom of them being in captivity. Mm. When SeaWorld retorted, which is 100% yes. right, this is some shit that happens in the wild every day. This has nothing to do with them being mm. here. They could have fought in the fucking mm. Pacific. Whales fight. That's what they do. <laughs> We're not at fault for this. Whales fight. It's an insane concept. They'd be like, see, I told you you shouldn't put them animals in there. Like animals don't fight in the wild. I got to give it up to SeaWorld. Mm. They have really taken some major blows PR-wise and fiscally, and they are still determined to keep that goddamn park open. Like, no, goddammit. People want to see trapped seals. Open the door. That's real. If you can survive the propaganda that is free will, if you can survive a worldwide movie release meant to destroy you, nobody's going to stop you. If SeaWorld was still open after free willy, Ain't shit gonna happen that's gonna change the SeaWorld ever. The, of course, the documentary Black. Oh, that didn't help either. Which is the one that came out about 10 years ago. And that mm. was the one that broke down all the bullshit that goes on at SeaWorld and the mistreatment mm. of all of the whales and all of that good stuff. Uh, Long live Tilikum. Long live Tilikum. My bad. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. were going, oh, fuck SeaWorld. SeaWorld is an abomination. Close SeaWorld. Um, these numbers are from 2022. Thank you, Down South Georgia girl. Um, that uh, fucking documentary came out in uh, mm-hmm. 2013. Mm-hmm. In 2018, SeaWorld's total revenue 1.3 billion US dollars. <laughs> Fuck you, oh Peter. God. Give me the loop. Give me the loop. You ain't gonna shut us down, billion. you motherfuckers. Give me the loop. Billion. You're not going to win. People are never going to care. In 2022, total revenue was a record $370.8 million. Damn. Oh, wait, no, that's fourth quarter. Just the quarter? Three months. SeaWorld made almost $400 million in three months at the end of 21. Yeah. You ain't going to shut that down with no lawsuit. I mean, it's good that the attention's there, but I just think that we live in a country where 85% of people don't give a fuck about much. If you have to have an alternative to get people to stop some shit that's not harming them, and unless you got another way for motherfuckers to see whales and dolphins up close, SeaWorld will remain open. The same reason zoos ain't go nowhere. People have hated them for a long time. But just like my nigga, I ain't gonna see no line no other way. I'm sorry, I'm going to the zoo. After the documentary Blackfish negatively impacted SeaWorld, the park lost $65 million in the settlement. Womp womp. That's soda sense. Right. Take this little 65 million and shut the hell up. <laughs> that's mean. It ain't mean. That's a fact. This podcast is Uncle Rod's Story Corner. Rod, I leave you back to smoke your purple urkel and your jolly green jelly bean or whatever the fuck else you and Rod have been uh, discussing off air. How Ryan gonna discuss that with himself? <laughs> I think you, I think, was it some edibles in the cupcake you just ate? What the thing is? Right? You said Rod and you Rod. Ate a cupcake? Just, oh, I didn't say Ralph. <laughs> Shit. No, you did not, sir. <laughs> Maybe I'm the one. Edibles just kicked in. I ain't mad at Goddamn edibles. That's why he went tell Jacqueline what it was. <laughs> right? <laughs> you ate a cupcake. He lace ho-hos. It's a Rice Krispie Treat. <laughs> oh, it's a Rice Krispie Treat, too? It's not THC. Right. This is original recipe. That Delta 8. Scam of the week time. Now, we know music is a duplicitous industry, third. It's very much a topsy-turvy kind of place. We have OG on the line now who has seen this industry evolve over, you know, a couple of decades, a couple of iterations from physical copies to digital mm. copies. And now, you know, the streaming world. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of that and how that's changed. And also, I'm sure he had some shitty jobs in his life before he got in this game. JG, who's on the line? 
We are joined by hip hop DJ and producer Dion Roster Root. Dion has held a variety of titles throughout his career to being a tour DJ and manager for a tribe called Quest Fife Dog. Fife Dog. Yes. Fight forever. Oh, geez. Um, he's also held the position of label head of his own imprints, Smoking Needles, and most recently, adjunct professor of hip hop composition. Dion will be talking to us today about his impressive music career and what exactly goes into teaching college kids who cannot sit still about hip hop. Hi, Dion. Hi, good to meet everybody. Thanks for having me. That was a pretty impressive interview. Oh, that's what's up. I hope I said it all correctly. You can thank Booker Hayat for that. Hayat is always digging up all the great bullet points. For sure. So let's start with where you were before you got into music. Music, The music industry always seems interesting because everybody I know that's (laughs) in music, at least from the time period where you started, it started with... Well, motherfucker, it was fun to do. I just I didn't know how to make no money. And then you look up a couple years later and you're making money. What were some of those jobs that you had beforehand? I was always doing music as a hobby. The worst job I could think I had, it was good and bad. It was working as a, a deckhand for a deck building company. What does a deckhand do? You know, Ooh, anything that he doesn't want to do, you dig the holes yeah. when they're building a deck on the back of somebody's house. The good grunt work, baby. Gotcha. Um, the the, <laughs> the with issue with the job I had was the gentleman that owned the company was also a bodybuilder heavy on steroids. So oh, no. the ro- the roid rage roid rage all mm. over the work site. Ah, it's my first time experiencing it at nineteen twenty. A little faster, you man. Points faster, I don't like how fast you're bringing the plank to get the. No, I li- literally anything I did wasn't right. Like oh. was, there was one time I kind of slammed my hand and it started bleeding, and no. I went to him. He was like, "Man, stop!" He was like, "Stop bleeding on my deck!" And it was like. He didn't care, like, what was going on. Like, yeah, it was like a gash. What about your hand, Dion? What are you talking about? What happened with your hand? Lucky the lady who owned the uh, the house we were building deck on was very nice, and she kind of wrapped my hand. This was in Maryland, so she had, like, a a maid or something help me wrap my hand. But it was disheartening because he's thinking of, like, the blood on the deck. I got to pull up the boards Uh and reapply those. So he's thinking more money. But Mm. the roid rage was so crazy. Nothing was right. I could bring coffee. It wasn't the right amount of coffee. Oh, it was nuts. No. How old were you? I was like uh, maybe 20, 20, 21. Yeah, that's wrong. Those are the young days, though. Plus, if dude was the bodybuilder, I'm with you. I ain't really, I ain't, I ain't there for that smoke. Not at that age, B. <laughs> the kicker is, at that time, I think my car had broken down. Uh-huh. So I had a tool belt with my hammer and stuff, and I would inline skate to work. So it would be like me skating oh. for two miles to get to work to get abused oh, and then work eight asking, hours. You were asking to get abused. And you was inline skating. <laughs> and you had on those little shorts. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. up to a construction site in a tool in belt shorts. and fucking rollerblade. But, t- <laughs> but I'll tell you this. I, that was the the fittest summer I've ever had because I was, I was skating five miles a day. Ooh. So – how do you get from that into music? How do you start tiptoeing and finding time to do the gigs and get into the production? Your resume is so deep. I, we don't even have time to unpack all of the legends that you've worked with and been able to help architect their careers. But just by and large, your entry point into the music industry then versus how someone should be trying to get into it now. What mm-hmm. would you say? Sure. I was DJing throughout college. Uh, that was like okay. my hobby, but it ended up being like a job pretty much because I literally stopped studying and was just DJing the whole time. After I graduated from college, I ended up getting accepted to the JET program, which is a Japan exchange teaching program okay. in Yamaguchi, Japan. So I went to Japan for three years, and that's where I kind of honed my DJ abilities as far as rocking the crowd. Somewhere in the middle of that, I ended up starting to produce and then moved back to Atlanta because my mom had moved from Maryland to Atlanta while doing my DJ thing on the radio, 88.5, 89.3. WRAS. For sure. Yes, sir. I kind of uh, bumped into Fife personally and started kind of working with him in the studio. And then from there, he asked me to do a show with him at University of Maryland as his DJ. And then it kind of sparked from there. But I was still at the time working as an interpreter for a railroad company interpreting Spanish and Portuguese for their railroad installs in Brazil and Mexico. 
So you speak a little French as well. I understand French. I speak Portuguese, Spanish, and conversational Japanese. Okay. So when we talk about the music industry, I want to get you out of here on this. For the new artists that are coming up, and we talk about contracts, and we talk mm-hmm. about streaming revenue, what advice would you give to new artists and producers such as yourself who are trying to avoid getting scammed? I, I would definitely say, you know, there are two schools of thought as far as being independent and signing with a, with a label. I always believe in meeting people where they are. So if I'm coming to the table with a movement and they're looking at the, the analytics of how many followers you have, your engagement with your followers and your fans and ticket sales, and if I, if I can bring a package to the table that makes them want me versus me just wanting them, that could be definitely a beneficial relationship. But if you're coming with nothing, and they're risking everything as far as putting up the money to put out mm-hmm. your project, and they're, they're going to assume the risk of that, then there's no real benefit to the labor really or you because they're probably not going to push you if you don't already have a movement. I mean, as much as I, I dislike 6 ix music, he did a lot of that stuff on his own, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Scary good. You know what I mean? True definition of being independent. Of course, there was other things that went on, but he didn't need a label. I don't think he was ever signed to a label for that matter. If you're internet savvy and you know your fan base, you know how to like – have a call to action for them to kind of move when you say move, then I think you're good. And then a label will start bidding and having a bidding war for you. Mm. Dion, hypothetically speaking, and very quickly, talented people. However, I don't have any experience in those corporate arenas. Who do I call? What do I do? I don't want to be picked up, taken on this world tour, and then just drop back off in the hood with a check for $15. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Sure, sure. I mean, the first thing you have to do, as much as it pains me to kind of say and do this sometimes, you'd have to pay to play. So that would include getting uh, an attorney, whether it's on retainer or someone you trust who's actually an entertainment attorney, not just your boy's cousin who did marital law. It's got to be someone who's done entertainment and knows the ins and outs and can be that that pitfall for you, for sure. Read. Don't show up knowing nothing. 100%. And I think a lot of people... Sometimes labels catch you when you're on you're down. So when they give you a check for fifteen thousand, that's like a new life for you. But at the same time, if you kind of like stop and and position yourself in a sense, knowing that you know what they want me for some reason, maybe this is worth more on the back end. Let me take less on the front end, and then my points and my partnership with them will mean a lot more because you know there's 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 more IP being shared. You know? Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Give a shout out real quick to that debt company that be selling oh. fake wood. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing, it was called Dexperts. Oh. Hey, everybody. My name's Jim. You need a deck, motherfucker. Come on down to Dexperts. Visit us online. We're right off the freeway. It's 120. What Honestly, man, no, I, I didn't. After that day, I think it was a day or two after I cut my hand, I never went back. But okay, I think I left. A, I didn't even get a paycheck. I just left without like Wait I can't minute, use it anymore. Like, no, it, it was bad. It was That's it smart. was bad. Sometimes it was you bad. Dip. Yeah, you I need dip. dip. Well, thank you so much for coming on the job fair, brother. We appreciate. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate you, yeah, After the break, we're gonna get into the world of employment. It's a job fair. We'll be right back. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. 
It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Job fair, bringing it home. So we're going to end this episode strong with a woman who has had a number of successful forays into the world of podcasting, but more importantly, does podcasting with the heart and a soul and wanting to help people and help you motherfuckers get your life together, right? (laughs) Get your shit together. But she's also been fired a whole bunch. I'm excited to hear these stories. JG, who do we have? We welcome Bridget Todd to the show. Bridget is the creator and host of the award-winning technology and culture podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet. Bridget got her start in social change. Since then, she's led training for human rights activists and political operatives across Mm -hmm. the globe. Bridget will be talking with us about her career in activism. Hi, Bridget. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. What a warm welcome. Now, your arc interests me because, you know, everybody's done some level of activism or claims to be an activist or they have posted a rainbow square or purchased some Juneteenth ice cream from Walmart like we was talking about a couple months ago. But you have also taught activism, not just domestically, but abroad. Over there in Australia, did I? Is that a good accent? Was that a good Australian accent? You will, you were training <laughs> human rights activists against the Aboriginal racism. <laughs> that sounds a little British to me, but I'm Thank gonna say you. passable. That's the only one I got. That's the only accent I got. It is British colony. What is the difference in messaging to activate people in a country that I'm ignorant? I've never set foot on the continent of Australia, but I would assume. They ain't as plugged into the wokey wokeness as we are in the States. What is that like training people to fight for what's right in Australia? So I had never been to Australia before. I had never set foot there. I didn't know anything about it. And how I wound up in Australia for a month training activists is because I lost a job. I had nothing else going on. I was sorry for laughing. Waking up at one p.m. and someone just called mm. me and was like, "Hey, you're not. You're like a bum who's out of work and has no plan. It's, it's certainly not job searching right now, right?" And I said, "That is correct." This was a friend. This was a friend, mm. and she said, "Well, you want to get on a plane to Australia?" And two days later, I was on a nineteen and a half hour flight to Australia to train human rights activists wow. and. You know, it, it, it's Australia is very different from the United States, but also very similar. They definitely are interested in sort of telling the story of how people can get plugged in, especially around things like climate justice. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a very interesting experience that was. That's right. Them fires climate, are off the yeah. chain over there. Yeah, they burn like they burn like California do. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they have some real serious climate and drought issues. I was just saying the koalas, but go ahead. They ain't all dead. They still alive. Koalas kind of assholes, much like the pan. Wait a minute. That's propaganda that I koala koalas are also poisonous, just like platypus. You can't have a koala bite you, you'll die. Is that true? I know, Bridget. Is that true? Uh, Down South Georgia girl, check that. Down South Georgia girl, gonna check that real quick. She was on Paw Patrol. Circle back to the Gila Monster koala bite. What is the first thing you teach someone in another country about Mm. activism? People come to activism and organizing in all kinds of ways. You can just learn it Mm -hmm. from your parents, learning it from just having a passion and, you know, connecting with people who share that passion. Um, For me, I was plugged into like a formal program to learn how to be an organizer run by a dude Mm -hmm. called Marshall Gans. uh, And it was Mm -hmm. like a real like crash course into professional organizing for social change. And I would say the Mm -hmm. most important first step would really be that it has to be about a story or a, a that taps into values, right? If somebody came up to you and they said, hey, did you know, like if they threw, you know, scary facts and figures at you about police brutality or climate change, you would just shut down because who wants to hear that? But if they told you a story that tapped into mm-hmm. your values, that's mm-hmm. what really motivates people to action. And so you can't scare people or doom and gloom people. You've got to give people something to to root for and to hope for and to feel good about people of your walk of life I've always found intriguing because 
there's something, I don't know if it's genetic or whatever, but like just helping and trying to make a difference mm-hmm. is just in you. Because you didn't just stop in Australia. You brought your ass home back to the States. And <laughs> yeah. then you're just like, yeah, let me go and do a podcast real quick. Let me go and do a podcast and just, you know, make it a hit podcast, you know, real quick. And then, you know, I'm going to do another podcast. You know, I'm going to just help people and help people and help people. Talk to us a little bit about what you're doing now in the mm-hmm. digital sphere and Mm. with regards to tech because we don't get a lot of black folks in tech Mm -hmm. first off ain't but eight of you (laughs) we're a small club (laughs) very small we already booked one that was last year we waiting on the other one right the clear the other one gotta get the clearance (laughs) so they can talk you'll have all of us in a month (laughs) (laughs) you step out of one fight and step into another fight what drives you to keep doing it. So many of the different issues I was working on, I realized we were coming up against the same issue, which is that if we don't have a digital landscape where we can talk about these issues in a way that is safe, in a way that is accurate, then we'll never get anywhere on them, right? And so Mm -hmm. I started to sort of zoom out and see the health of our internet and the health of our digital spaces as really critical to making any kind of progress or headway on all the different issues that are impacting Black folks today. And so mm-hmm. that's really what I do. I, I advocate, you know, I meet with leaders at platforms like TikTok and Facebook to advocate for better policies. Okay. And I want to tell stories about how Black folks we have always been what makes technology great. Like if it was if it wasn't for black folks, Twitter would be the most boring place on earth Come that through, no Greek. one would ever want to spend time, right? And so you'd be Craigslist. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Up. Look, Bridget, you better let them know. If it weren't for black folks, there would be no Sony PlayStation. There would be no Xbox. There would be no Dreamcast. The very first console that was ever made was made by a black man. That's right. You know yeah, the saying? video cartridge. Yeah. That's right. And I and I want to say that it was a sister that helped start the protocols for the internet. That's right. That's right. And it's one of those things where I've always been like a big tech nerd type. And the story I always told myself is that the Internet and technology is a white mm-hmm. boys club and people who look like me have been trying to break through. The real story is that we've been there all along. And if you didn't yeah. know our stories, it's because they were erased or they were mm. you know, not given the shine they deserve. And so my work is really uncovering all the ways that Black folks and other marginalized people, we've been there shaping what it means to show up in technology and in the internet from the very beginning. And we need to take up more space. Like, we are so dynamic and creative mm-hmm. when it comes to how we show up on the internet. And it's time that tech leaders and white tech bros really give us that shine. I have one quick question about Australia. When you were there, did you have to deal at all? Like, because you're dealing with race in a place that it started like us, but it ain't like us. Mm-hmm. But the the whole rabbit proof fence. I, I watched a lot about the rabbit proof fences and how they separated the aboriginals from their families in order to raise them like Australians. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of those same aboriginal, AKA black Australians <laughs> were raised by these white families and they tried to take away. Did you have to help when you talked about dealing with activism and helping, did you have to explain or help with that kind of a situation at all? Or? Yeah. And so the work that I was doing was focused mostly around climate. And so mm. at, yes. just the same way that it is here in the United States, climate is, you know, a racial justice issue. It uh-huh. is, you yeah. know, indigenous folks, black folks, brown folks who are who are disproportionately impacted. And so that climate work was really linked to indigenous and human rights work. And so, you know, it wasn't it's so interesting how for them there it is the I don't know. I guess here in the United States, we have a hard time talking about climate as a racial justice issue and a race issue. Mm. Not so Mm. in Australia, because it could not be clearer. It is like (laughs) explicitly what's happening and everyone can see it. Thank you, Down South Georgia girl. Third, you are right. Koalas and all four types of koalas. There's a bacteria known as Lone Pinella, which if it breaks the skin barrier in a koala bite, it can cause an infection. Also, koalas, thank you again, down south Georgia girl. Run rough with chlamydia. Oh, yes. See, I told you. They're sluts. See, nasty little tree rats. That's what they are, dog. Koalas can transmit chlamydia to humans that come into contact with their urine, and it is not unheard of for koalas to urinate directly onto people. They are assholes, Jacqueline. Oh. But you go ahead and pray for the koalas. <laughs> Bridget Todd. The podcast. The podcast is There Are No Girls on the Internet. 
Thank you for everything you do here in the States. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do over, over overseas. Yeah, you're crossing the oh, Pacific. Checking out the racism. Too many donkeys over there. You know, I'm going to move some of these donkeys over here with the lights. Oh, oh, oh I'm not even sure what accent that was supposed to be. <laughs> Bridget, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was a dream uh, come true. Oh, oh thank, thank you. you. Bye. A, that's the show. Royce Job Fair is a product of iHeartMedia, Comedy Central, Paramount, South Park, Princeton Entertainment. Hawaii. Yes. I will be there shit when is it August <laughs> the blue note downtown Honolulu I say don't start me to line I ain't going I, I don't know nothing about it. JG you going I'm not going to you, you're not going no. Rod you going to Hawaii nah I, 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 apparently I can't go without Jacqueline oh, that's the same thing she, she told me she let me go to Hawaii without her <laughs> oh wait a minute mm. did he <laughs> you to Hawaii no okay. I didn't no. oh okay to, oh. Jacqueline I ain't invited oh, nobody to Hawaii <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a dog, but I really I want to go to I want to go to Korea and watch baseball, but I gotta do this Hawaii, so I'm gonna stop in Hawaii. So Korea had to come another time. Uh, that's the show. <laughs> it's Sunday, August 28th, that you're gonna be at the Blue Nelt Comedy Series in Honolulu and Saturday. Hawaii. I'll be there Saturday too. There we Saturday. added a Saturday show. Nice. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.